Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Grace and Peace, Heart to Heart. I'm Zenobia Bailey, coming to you from the Pacific Northwest. This is a wonderful day here in my area. And I say wonderful, actually, every day is, but when I look out at the majority of the country that's under extreme heat in some cases, I feel so blessed. I'm a gal who just does not do well in the warm temperatures. And so for now anyway, I am just really pleased to say that our temps aren't even in the 60s. I um, I know some people just shake at that because they prefer the heat, and that's wonderful. My mother-in-law loves the heat and hates the cold. <laughs> so it's just it's just amazing, don't you think? How one quadrant can be burning up, and the other has snow. There's even snow in parts, still snow in parts of this area. And almost always it will be found on our our mountains. But at any rate, we are going to continue reading Aging with Grace. We're coming close to the end, and I'm somewhat sad to see it end. But it's been such a blessing to my heart, and I hope that you can say the same. So last week, we finished with a portion that was detailed by Sharon, and today we begin again with Susan, and Susan shares. Going beyond or behind the curtain where Jesus is and remembering his covenant, faithfulness, and love ignites hope and fuels praise. Both of these are elements of flourishing. So she begins. Elizabeth Prentice, a 19th century author of Stepping Heavenward, wrote to a friend, I'm ever so glad that I'm growing old every day and so becoming better fitted to be the dear and loving friend to young people that I want to be. This quote, today anyway, is countercultural and counterintuitive. It values aging and it is not self-centered. Mrs. Prentice was thinking biblically and living covenantally. 
throughout the Old Testament, we are told that one generation shall commend your works to another. I think Mrs. Prentice's expression shares the same heart posture as the writer of Psalm 91. The author in this psalm is not named, but commentators agree it is the prayer of an old man. Many think it is likely David's prayer at the time of the insurrection of his son Absalom, a sordid story of rape, murder, and conspiracy, blowing up any facade of family unity. Yet, this is a prayer of one who is flourishing in old age. It may sound extreme, but I think it's true. There is no growing in grace apart from prayer. And that prayer reads this way. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O oh my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. Remember the painful context and reflect on the following characteristics of this psalmist's prayer. There is submission to God's will, tender intimacy with God. Note the personal pronouns. Knowledge of and trust in God's character. There's hope in God and there is continual praise. Scripture tells us Wisdom is with the aged, and understanding in length of days. Biblical wisdom increases the longer we know and trust Jesus. Length of days gives a long view perspective of the redemption story God writes in our lives. From my 80-year-old perspective, I can now look back and see that nothing was random. Nothing was wasted. God used and continues to use everything. My sin, the sin of others against me, the disappointments, sorrows, grief, suffering, times of rejoicing and times of weeping, all to shape me into his image. I would not change anything because each thing drew me nearer to him. David is not paralyzed by feeling failure as a parent or the shame of this public rejection because his hope is not grounded in people or circumstances. His reference point and refuge is God. A refuge is a place of safety and protection, a sanctuary. David thinks and acts biblically. He flees to God in prayer. We who have fled to God for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. 
a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone. David begins to reminisce a favorite activity of the elderly. John Calvin wrote that Psalm 71 shows the powerful influence which the remembrance of God's benefits had in nourishing his hope. Pastor George Grant writes, one of the hazards of the fall is forgetfulness. All of us need regular reminders of the truth of God's word and the fidelity of his character in order to preserve in our, I'm sorry, in order to persevere in our callings. And that is why the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers is primarily to bring to our remembrance the word of truth. He calls on us to reflect on all that he has done so that everything that we are now called to do and everything that we are now called to be takes the shape of his purposes and not merely ours. Mama was 99 when she died. Her memory was sharp to the last day. Our children and grandchildren were fascinated with the things she remembered, and Mama loved telling stories. In her last years, her perspective became more pronounced. Even when she talked about the Great Depression or all her brothers serving in World War II, or the hardships when she and Daddy lost the farm and moved to a new place to start a new business, she always said it was hard, but God made it all turn out good. Mama remembered God's benefits as David did when he talked to his own soul. David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth, you are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Remembering God's character inspires David to declare God's sovereignty and his hope. Tikva. Lord Adonai means master, the one who has all authority. Or Lord Yahweh is his personal name of covenant faithfulness, faithfulness and steadfast love. Our knowledge of God reminds us that he formed us in our mother's wombs and gave us our first breath and every breath since that moment, we are his workmanship. Before we knew God, he knew and loved us. 
Do not cast me off in the time of old age, the scripture says. Forsake me not when my strength is spent, for my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. O oh God, be not far from me. O oh my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. Many commentators suggest that these verses refer to the middle portion of David's life which was characterized by enemies, battles, and successes. I asked a group of midlife women what characterizes their lives. Their words included busy, stretched, cuteness, babies, chaos, teens, careers, transitions, tired. Looking back fortifies David to face the realities of old age weakness suffering, and sorrow. Perhaps he remembers that when he walked through valleys of death, God was with him. The Lord was always the stronghold of his life, the one who even used the sin of his adultery and murder to teach him about the grace of repentance and the mercy of forgiveness and restoration. A long view helps us see God's gracious hand of providence, weaving everything together for his glory and our good. The Westminster Larger Catechism explains, God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, persevering and governing all his creatures, ordering them and all their actions to his own glory. Psalm 71.14 is a testimony of how remembering results in an unbroken hope and a mature praise. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O oh God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me. Until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come, a living hope fixed on Christ makes us missional even in old age. David's son rejects him. But David still wants to proclaim God's righteousness, authority, and covenant love to the next generation. His son may not listen, but there are those who will, and there are those who will listen to you. And so, my beloved, we will pause here and pick up this chapter on our next segment. However, before we leave, I would like to take a moment, a few moments actually, to recognize fathers, 
grandfathers, great-grandfathers, uncles, who, who often fill the role of someone's dad, and maybe someone who's just not connected to anyone in particular, but who has had influence as a male over someone else. I especially am thinking of my own father and my children's father, as well as one of my sons who is a father. And so with that, I'd like to read this poem that is entitled, Praise Those Fathers. Let us praise those fathers who have striven to balance the demands of work, marriage, and children with an honest awareness of both joy and sacrifice. Let us praise those fathers who, lacking a good model for a father, have worked to become a worthy and virtuous father. Let us praise those fathers who by their own account were not always there for their children, but who continue to offer those children now grown, though they may be, their love and support. As well, let us pray for those fathers who have been wounded by words and actions of their own children. Let us praise those fathers who, despite marital discord, have remained in their children's lives. Let us praise those fathers whose children are adopted and whose love and support has nurtured a thriving life. Let us praise those fathers who, as stepfathers, freely choose, freely choose the obligation of fatherhood and have earned their stepchildren's love and respect. Let us praise those fathers who have lost a child to death and continue to hold the child in their heart. Let us praise those men who have no children but cherish the next generation as if they were their own. Let us praise those men who have fathered us in their role as mentors and guides. Let us praise those men who are about to become fathers. May they openly delight in their children. And let us praise those fathers who have died, but live on in our memory and whose love continues to nurture us. Dad, your love remains in my memory, and your love continues to nurture me. This poem was written by a Mr. Kirk Lodeman, and it was adapted by Deborah Mooney. So thank you all for listening, and take care.